Well, I think that we all are afraid of something, wouldn't you say? Uh, according to one source, uh, the most common fear in the world is um, yeah, arachnophobia. You know what that is, right? Fear of spiders, exactly right. Most common fear. Apparently, it affects uh, four times as many women as men. Go figure. Uh, here's another one. It, they, they say it's the second most common fear. It is aphidiophobia. You know what that is? I wouldn't know. Fear of snakes. Fear of snakes. Um, a few years back at Vacation Bible School, we had somebody who brought a whole bunch of animals, and one time they brought me up here into the front and blindfolded me and then put my hands on and said, well, what, what do you guess these animals are? How do I get myself into these things? Do you know? <laughs> anyway, uh, they turned out to be hissing cockroaches from Madagascar. You see that giant one on, right there on me? This thing was huge. And then I've got another one crawling up on my shoulder and then another one crawling down on my back and i got one on, my, on the back of my hand right there. Uh, so I don't know if that would have creeped you out or not. It really wasn't as bad as it looks. But uh, so I've got a question for you. Here it is. What, what's one creature that startles you or scares you? Now, maybe you're afraid of cats or cockroaches, uh, birds or bees, dogs or ducks. Maybe you react to mice or, or monkeys, uh, horses or hamsters, wasps or worms. So I'm going to kind of do a little scary thing here for you. I'm going to ask you to turn to a few people around you, maybe even the people beside you or in front of you or and whatever, and just get up a few people and say, what, what creature, what's one creature that startles or scares you? Okay? So if you don't want to share, you don't have to, but you can just listen. But go ahead and take a minute. All right. You know, gathering, I, I'm seeing... People doing motions. I'm seeing all kinds of anim hearing all kinds of animated voices. So I know you really got into that, and and uh, that's cool. But uh, here's another. Here's here's my favorite phobia. Hippopotamonstrosis quipedaliophobia. Hippopotamonstrosis quipedaliophobia. You know what it is? Fear of long words. <laughs> I've never had it until now. Huh? All right. Um, this is the fourth and final Sunday in our series, When I'm Afraid, and uh, there's a Bible verse that we've been learning. It's the same one I taught the kids a little bit ago. Uh, Psalm 56, verse 3, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. I, I love it because it's short, it's to the point, it's a prayer. Uh, so I'm going to say, can you say it without looking up at the screen? Give it a try. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. When I was a teenager, I, I put my trust in Jesus in kind of a big way, lifelong way, gave my life to him. And uh, I did it because I had met some people who had done the same thing. And Jesus had really, really changed their lives. And to me, it seemed like the most real thing in the world. And so I asked Jesus if he would do the same in me, that if he would come and, and change my life. And... Uh, and, and I can look back and I'm thinking, wow, it's been, it's been a, a quite a journey over these, over these decades. And so I'm more of a believer now in Jesus than I was back then. And yet, I can tell you that along the way, my faith has 
has faced some real challenges. Has that ever happened to you? Has your faith faced some real challenges? I remember my second year at Nebraska Wesleyan, I took a class called Intro to Bible, and the prof spent the entire semester poking holes in the Bible and making fun of anybody who would dare to believe in it. I don't know why. I think he just did it to make himself look smart and feel superior to the rest of us. It's like his goal was to deconstruct our faith, but without giving us the resources to rebuild it. I can tell you, over the faith, over, over the years, my faith has been challenged many times. For example, people have told me, Christianity is what's effed up this world. The Bible is full of sexism, bigotry, and violence. How do you respond? Something like that. Because, you know, to a certain degree, what they're saying is true. So, if you believe and belong to Jesus, I can tell you, your faith will be challenged. I remember talking with a high school student uh, years ago who was really upset about a science class that he was taking. They were doing a section on cosmology, which is the study of the origins of the universe. And he was so upset because the teacher, all, all the teacher could talk about is the Big Bang. The Big Bang this, the Big Bang that. It's all about the Big Bang and no room for God. I told him, okay, there may have been a Big Bang, but the question you have to ask is, who lit the fuse? And he, he smiled. And I could tell a little light was coming on in his head and going, okay, I start to get it. You see, the, uh, before the Big Bang Theory, the pre prevailing scientific opinion was what they called the steady state theory. That is that uh, the universe has just existed always just as it is now. Uh, which would mean that there was no beginning. But then the steady state theory came crashing down when scientists observed that the universe is expanding. And the laws of physics would say that if the universe is expanding, then it is expanding from a beginning point. Hence, the Big Bang, you know, 13.8 billion years ago, give or take a few hundred million, right? Uh, I, think, I think the Big Bang lines up really well with Genesis. Genesis says there was a beginning. The first words are in the beginning. Now, when I was younger, I read Genesis 1 just kind of like, hey, this is a science book or a history book, you know, and I, I figured that's just what happened. God made the universe, took him six days, and, well, I fudged a little. I said maybe there were six really long days, you know, millions or billions of years. And that seemed like an adequate solution until I realized that Genesis 1 says that vegetation appeared on the earth on day 3, uh, but the sun and the moon didn't appear until day 4. I thought, well, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So I've come to read Genesis 1 a bit differently. Instead of seeing it as a scientific report of what happened, I now uh, read it as a poetic description of what happened. And when you take a closer look at, at Genesis chapter 1, it's, it's kind of written that way, right? It's written to be read poetically. And, and I, the, one of the beautiful things about that is that it makes it accessible to people of all cultures, of all times. And the big idea of Genesis 1 is that the universe is God's creation. 
God designed it. God made it. And in verse 31, it says, God said it was very good. So I'd say this. Don't panic. Don't panic when, when your faith gets challenged by the, by the Big Bang or other stuff. Just, just keep wrestling with it. Keep working at it. Let's open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 28. We're going to start with verse 5. If you're using the Pew Bible, it's on, it's on page 1,000. And if we don't have enough Pew Bibles there, you can share with your neighbor, do that. Um, and as you're holding that Pew Bible, if you're thinking, wow, I wish I had a Bible like that that's good and readable, I would say, okay, I'll make a deal with you. You can take this Pew Bible home. You can have it and keep it. Your part of the deal is just that you'll start reading it, okay? And if you're wondering, where do I start? Well, we're going to be looking at this biography about Jesus written by his disciple, Matthew. Just start there. Start at the beginning of that and start reading. Now, Jesus was buried on a Friday afternoon, uh, and early Sunday morning, two women, both named Mary, Mary is a pretty common name back then, both, uh, they, they show up at the tomb. Another gospel says that they came bringing spices, which was a pretty normal thing to do. Uh, you know, you show up at the cemetery, you bring spices to kind of cover the bad smells of the corpse. When they arrive, they're surprised to see that the massive stone at the mouth of the tomb has been rolled away, and there's a guy sitting on it wearing super white clothes. And then they see the guards who have been sent to guard the tomb, and they're just trembling. So let's start in verse 5. The angel, and by the way, the word angel also means messenger. Did you know that? Yeah. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. Now the next verse is really big. The angel says, he is not here. He has risen, just as he said. And then you'll notice that the angel uh, urges them to go ahead and walk into the tomb and check it out. He says, come and see the place where he lay. Take a look around, ladies. You know, I believe that this teaches us to not be afraid to investigate our faith. Come and see. Look around. Examine what you believe and why. You know, one of the models of my life is never be afraid to ask any question. No matter how much potential it has to, to, to uh, you know, disrupt my faith, go ahead and ask it. Ask any question. Bring it on. And after they examine the tomb, the women are told to go to the other disciples and tell them, hey, head for Galilee, Jesus is going to meet you there. So now let's go to verse 8. And the two Marys, they're heading back to town. And it says, so the women hurried away from the tomb. And let's read those next five words together. You with me? Afraid yet filled with joy. Let's say it again. Afraid yet filled with joy. Isn't that great? Have you ever been afraid yet filled with joy? One guy says, I do. Uh, I just got married. <laughs> but I think it's the same thing when you become a mom or a dad, isn't it? You're afraid, yet filled with joy. Um, all right, so uh, one, anyway, they go on to meet Jesus, and, and I can imagine them, they're sort of giggling, you know, nervous laughter on their way as they go, and on their way, they stop 
and they meet Jesus. And then they come in and they just kind of fall down in front of him and they start hugging around his ankles and they don't want to let him go. But Jesus says the same thing the angel said. He said, do not be afraid. Let's say that together, shall we? Do not be afraid. You know, this month we've been looking in Matthew's gospel to the four times when Jesus says those words, do not be afraid. Now, Jesus says them here because he knows the women are afraid. They're afraid to believe. They're afraid not to believe. He said, do not be afraid. Now, the overarching theme of this series is that what Jesus commands, he also empowers. Have you thought of that? When Jesus commands you to not be afraid, he also empowers you to not be afraid. Jesus doesn't ask for the impossible without making it possible. Now, my purpose for this series is that you are going to then hear Jesus say, speak those words to you in your life where you need to hear it most. Where you need to hear those words, do not be afraid. You're going to hear him addressing you on just those areas. Now, Jesus' followers, they were afraid after Jesus died, you know, figure what's going on. Uh, they'd lost him for good. And even when they see him alive, they're still kind of afraid. And let me tell you, in the days and years to come, they are going to find their faith challenged again and again. They're going to get kicked out of the synagogues. They're going to be arrested and thrown in jail. The, the false teachers are going to come and try to convince them uh, that it's not enough to believe in Jesus. So it's important that they remember what, they, that what he said. Do not be afraid. I want, to, I want to share with you this morning a principle that I believe is embedded in this scripture and a lot of other scriptures. And it's definitely been true in my life. The more you follow him, the more you will find him. The more you follow him, the more you will find him. Despite the, the challenges that you face, don't be afraid to believe. And I'm going to ask you to say this with me, and you say the words in red with me, okay? The more you follow him, the more you will find him. Now, throughout the rest of the message, I'm going to keep coming back to that. And as soon as you hear me say the beginning of it, you just jump right in, all right, with the words in red. Uh, now, if the two Marys, think about it, if they had not gone to the tomb because they were followers of Jesus and wanted to, you know, just express their devotion to him, they wouldn't have met him there. If the disciples hadn't gone to Galilee, they would have missed out on meeting up with him there. Uh, when I was... Uh, when I was 22 years old, I, I worked a summer uh, at, for the Milford United Methodist Church as a summer student, summer intern. And uh, I remember one of the, my assignments was uh, I had to take a week and take some high school students to a Fellowship of Christian Athletes camp in Colorado. And, uh, you know, I got there, there were, there were several hundred students there, and I, I worked as a cabin counselor during that time as well. But I just think about all these students, they could have said, hey, I, I don't have time to do this. I mean, I've got a job, I've got to work, 
or I got to go to the camps that my, my coach says I have to go to. But these students showed up. They were there. They, they, they followed. They spent five days at this FCA camp and Jesus became more real to them. They kept following and they kept finding. Sometimes your faith is going to be challenged. It's going to bump up against something hard. Sometimes you're going to be tempted to just give up. You know, walk away. This doesn't make any sense anymore. Forget it. Don't be afraid because the more you follow him, sorry, let's try again. The more you follow him, the more you will find him. Uh, I shared a few weeks ago how one Friday afternoon, about 5.30, I was pretty much done in my preparation for Sunday, but I wasn't feeling good about it. Something just wasn't right. It's kind of like it wasn't the right direction, it wasn't connecting right. And I told Trish, I said, I think, I think God's telling me to start over tomorrow morning. Start over from scratch. And I did. And I thought, how, is that the way God works? Could God be sort of giving me this intuitive sense that, hey, Steve, go another direction. But I believe that's what happened. And I'm so glad God would, I can count on God to do that. A couple years ago, um, I was, I was doing this meditative kind of thing. And uh, in this meditative scene, I just imagined myself as I was as a 10-year-old boy in my parent, you know, the home I grew up in. And I was down on my knees and my, my forearms were on the floor. My head was pointing down to the floor and I was crying. And in my meditation... Jesus was there and he got on his knees beside me and he started stroking his fingers through the back of my head and my neck and he said it was never meant to be this way and without raising my head my my 10 year old self said I don't want it to be this way and Jesus, Jesus just stayed with me. And he kept caressing the back of my head. And he said, it was never meant to be this way. That was a healing moment for me. Now, was that really Jesus? Was that my imagination? I believe it was both. I believe it was Jesus there at work through my imagination, bringing me a a kind of inner healing. Some of you uh, may remember a story that I shared uh, several years ago, back when I was a younger pastor in Hastings. And uh, one day I was was going to the Mary Lanning Hospital to make my visitation rounds, and and I I remember I, I had a lady on my list who I didn't know her, but I came to the room and I looked through the door and I could see uh, that her sheet was pulled up to her chin and I could see her face and her white hair uh, above the sheet. So I, I walked in and I introduced myself to her and uh, pretty quickly she told me she was feeling terrible because she was just freezing. And yet the nurses weren't 
uh, allowed to put any covers over the sheet because they thought her fever would spike. And uh, so I, I'm just kind of looking there at her and, and thinking about her and talking with her. And, and uh, this, this thought pops into my head. Kiss her on the forehead. Where did that come from? No way I'm going to do that. And I just kind of, you know, dismiss the idea. It's pretty easy for me to do. Just kind of get rid of that. And so, uh, so I'm standing there talking with her, and the idea comes back. Kiss her on the forehead. I thought, well, I wouldn't be comfortable doing that. I, I'm, I'm, really a, I'm really kind of a reserved guy, you know, not very demonstrative naturally, a little shy. And, and, uh, and so I kind of pushed it out again. Well, as I kept talking to her, I could not stop staring at this lady's forehead. It's like there was a flashing beacon, you know? And, and, uh, and I thought, no, no! I took the seminary class on visiting people in the hospital. We didn't learn to do this. I mean, besides, you know, when you, when, when you greet people, you know, the only contact you can really initiate is to shake hands. I mean, anything else has to be initiated by the, the person, right, that you're with. So anyway, she and I are having this conversation. All the while, I've got a, another conversation going on inside my head. Have you ever had that happen? Oh, man. So there, there's an old joke I learned in seminary. Uh, what do pastors say when they get uncomfortable? Let us pray. I shouldn't be telling you this, should I? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so I asked if I could pray for her, and she said, yeah. And so I, I really did pray for her because I, I just, my heart went out to her, you know. And uh, so after the prayer, I opened my eyes, and I looked to the door. My body language was signaling my intention to leave. And she opened her eyes, and she looked up at me and said, would you kiss my forehead? I said, I'd be glad to. And I walked out of that hospital room and my face was just flushed with emotion. And I thought, was that Jesus speaking to me? And I didn't know it. Something was going on there. And I believe that... Most of you here today could come right up here to this microphone and tell us a story about how, about how uh, Jesus has guided you or spoken to you or, or brought healing to your soul or comfort to your heart and how he's provided for you in a, in a mysterious, wonderful way. And so you know this is true. You are living proof of it too that the more you follow him, the more you will find him. Now, some of you here today are, are probably skeptical. I get that. I mean, you know, you could say that what happened to me and it happened to other people is what they call confirmation bias. That means you're, you find it because you're looking to find it. But I will tell you that I'm aware of that, and yet I feel like I can't say that that's the answer. Because so much has happened to me that I believe it's more than that. 
So to you 11 students, you are about to make your declaration of discipleship. You are about to make a partnership promise here at Faith Westwood. And you're going to face challenges to your faith just like the rest of us have. Question is, what are you going to do? What are you going to do when those challenges hit you? There are times when you are going to be frustrated. You're going to be frustrated with God. You're going to be frustrated with the church. You're going to even be frustrated with yourself. You're going to, you're going to face questions where there are no easy answers. And you're going to be tempted to give up. Walk away. All I can tell you is this. The more you follow him, the more you will find him. Let's pray. Well, Lord God, uh, thank you that you have sent your son Jesus to us and he has come and speaks his word into, speaks life into us and says, do not be afraid. No matter the challenges that we face, no matter the, the times when we are feeling like we're ready to give up and throw it all away, Lord, you are still there saying, do not be afraid. You are with us, beside us, all along the way. And Lord, we want to keep following you and, and finding you and learning that uh, the, more that we, the more that we do that, you just make yourself more evident. We, we find more evidence of, of you, more proof of your reality and your tr how you change lives and, and our work in this world. And so, Lord, we want to be those kind of people who keep following, who keep trusting, who keep believing. Jesus, we love you and we pray in your great name. And all God's people said, amen.